Alrighty, welcome back to Matrix Breakers. You guys are amazing. Uh, just a great audience, a committed audience, a, an audience that I think is continuing to learn and do a lot of research on your own. I see tons of friends and new friends that I'm making now through the podcast. Uh, you guys are absolutely incredible. Uh, wherever you are in the world, listening and tuning in, we are definitely living in the most interesting times. And I've read a lot of history, so. Uh, I could say that for sure uh, compared to other parts of history, uh, but you know there's some definitely some interesting times that we've we've been through as a humanity before you know this crisis of a time that we're in now. Um, but you know they say that people rise and they 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 essentially live in the times that they're in. Uh, a lot of people sort of go by the wayside and they don't actually live in the times that they're in. They're forgotten. They're never remembered. They didn't make a difference. You know, it's those people that go out of their way uh, to make great change and to uh, bad and good, actually, uh, that are remembered, that are put down in history as people that we we recognize and that we learn from. And so we're living in, in a time like that. You know, this is, you know, as much as I would call it the matrix, but you can call it whatever you want. As much as the matrix is trying to suppress humanity, suppress information, dumb people down, play on your ignorance. And I've said this about politicians in particular, you know, politicians or leaders in general, they're either taking advantage of your ignorance in a situation or they are empowered and they believe that you are smart and they have this, 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 this ideology where humanity is growing and becoming better. So there really is just two dividing roads. One is more negative where they really believe that you're stupid and they play on your stupidity. They play on your ignorance of, of situations, whether it's your own body uh, or whether it's the financial system, you know, whatever it is, they play to your ignorance and they just pray every night that you remain ignorant. That that's There's politicians, but there's leaders like that, right? And then there's leaders, I would consider myself in this category where we're praying for you to wake up and to grow and we are banking if if I'm spinning a dial if I'm gambling if I'm you know saying hit me kind of thing blackjack style I am gambling that you're waking up I'm gambling that people listening to this podcast are actually becoming more awakened more alive more attentive to what's going on in the world and they are definitely living in the times that they are in right this is the key fundamental thing that we are uh, really having to come to an understanding of. And I wanted to start today by actually reading this quote. I wonder if you guys can, you've seen this behind me, but I'm sure you haven't actually you know, read it or, or knew what it is, but it's a quote by Teddy Roosevelt as one of his speeches. I'm gonna go ahead and read it uh, here for the podcast, okay? It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. The credit, oh yeah, whose face, okay, so talking about this person, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, so who fails, right? Because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails 
while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Okay, so, well, what's Theodore Roosevelt referring to in that passage? The man in the arena is that person who's putting themselves on the line, who has their opinions, who does their research, who wants to share, who wants to take action, who wants to, you know, shoot a rocket in the sky like an Elon Musk, right? These are the people who are in the arena. And I cannot depict that better than to uh, point you in the direction of today's news about SpaceX, okay? I hadn't even seen exactly what happened yet, but I can already tell what, what is going on in the media, okay? And SpaceX did a launch uh, with one of their ships, and basically, you know, they weren't successful, okay? They weren't successful. It blew up, right? A rocket blew up. And it makes news, right, because it's a, you know, massive rocket ship blowing up. It's a, it's a big failure. And so, you know, a lot of people in the media, for example, they are the hecklers. They are the critic. It is not the critic who counts. So no offense if you're in media, but by this standard, okay, if you're in media, if you're just a critic, you don't count, okay, because you're just depicting what you think about other people doing stuff. You know, you're you're just the person that's on the sideline. You're in the audience, okay? You may have a, a high-paying job that pays you to be a critic, but that doesn't make you count in the history of reality, our, human, our, our humanity, right, overall. And so SpaceX blows up a rocket, right? A whole rocket blows up. And the media just, you know, just like hyenas, just grovels and just really demolishes the... Uh, you know, the whole SpaceX mission, Mars, you know, taking, uh, really it's about taking cargo to space. Right now he's doing that, right? Where he's actually taking things to space. He's being a transport to space. That's his first business model, right? And so people will just straight up hate on it, right? And, but they're critics, okay? So by this standard right here, you know, it's not, they, they don't count. The person in this example who does matter is Elon Musk, the one who's in there and who errors, okay? Who has shortcoming, right? Who's who's today is an error, right? I mean, look at that. He he made a mistake, right? He but his team, whatever. They they made a mistake, so he has shortcomings, okay? But he uh, actually strives to do the deeds, meaning he actually does something. He actually is, you know, people can talk about going to space. They can talk about going to Mars. They can talk about going to the moon. They can talk about all this big talk, but he's actually doing the deeds, right? That according to this passage, this would be. Elon Musk, he knows great enthusiasms. So, so what does that mean? He's in the game. And because he's in the game, he knows what it's like to have those victories. He knows what it's like to have real ecstasy. Okay. I don't mean the drug. I mean, happiness. I mean, joy, you know, because you're in progress. You're, you're continuing towards the end goal and there might be hard times, but he actually knows what enthusiasm is. Whereas the critic who, who's just, you know, criticizing Elon Musk in this example, they don't really know great enthusiasms because they're they're so afraid because they're a critic themselves. They're afraid of doing big things. They're afraid of going after it and creating something. And this is also a big problem with the media is, is because they live in that critic world, they're not creators. They're not capitalists. They're not free market thinkers. They're, they're organized people that are obsessed with their, their own information and their access to information. That This is what these journalists are, the mainstream media journalists are, are groveling uh, just their, their, their existence 
is becoming extremely toxic because they're not creators. You know, these old journalists uh, who are successful, who've made a big difference, who are, you know, actually, you know, document investigative reporters, real journalism, you know, that stuff is amazing stuff. You know, when you're covering real news, when you're on the scene, when you're not afraid of, you know, whatever way it leans politically, it's like they're really in it, right? There's just not that journalism anymore. So again, pointing to the critic again, but Elon Musk, right? He, he spends himself in a worthy cause. What, what's worthy about what, what Elon Musk is doing? Well, he's trying to go to space. He's trying to further humanity. He's trying to make us an interplanetary species. Like that's pretty epic. That's a worthy cause. So he's going to fail on the way there, just like NASA would fail. Tons of times. I mean, it's like, you know, people don't have, they don't just, they don't know history. That's the problem. Because if you read history, you know that NASA was under the most scrutiny by the media in the 60s, okay? It was, you know, and back then it was it was kind of political because it was the Democrat project in a sense. It was the John F. Kennedy project. And so some of the Republicans were, oh, well, why are we spending our money on all this space junk? We don't even need it, blah, 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 blah. And it was the space race. And, and, and the conservatives at the time were saying, hey, we really should slow this whole thing down. We, we don't know if there's progress. We don't know if we're going to get to the moon. We don't even know if this is worth anything. We're, we're spending our taxpayer dollars. And they wanted to kill the project. Now, of course, in my opinion, I would say leave it up to the free enterprise to, to figure that out. And that's what what's Elon Musk is doing now. Why did that happen? Because the government, because of its ineffectiveness, and that's totally natural of government, right? They shut NASA down. They, they didn't really even have NASA doing anything. We weren't even launching rockets from the United States, okay? we, we I think the last rocket was the Challenger, blew up. Bad project there. The last time we were really sending astronauts to space, I think it was in the 90s or, or maybe like late 80s. Uh, I could be wrong about that. But the point is, is it's been a long time. We are actually sending our astronauts to space through Russia. Can you believe that? I mean, think about John F. Kennedy rolling in his grave when American astronauts are having to launch on Russian rockets. I'm sure he'd love it because, you know, it shows that, you know, we've come together now and we're not, you know, they're not the Soviet Union and they've all, you know, been destroyed, the communism there. Uh, but it, 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 but in the other hand would be, hey, you know what? John F. Kennedy built NASA. He built a space program. Why aren't we using it? Okay. And we were going to use it. Now, now it's all shut down again, of course. Um, and so, you know, we have Elon Musk. He spends himself in a worthy cause. Okay. And, uh, you know, at the end, he knows at, at best, he knows high achievement. What does that mean? High achievement at the, at the end, uh, Elon Musk might go to Mars, you know what I mean? And he might pioneer that entire operation, right? Uh, you know, they were laughing at Christopher Columbus who had this grand idea that there's, that the world doesn't just drop off. You know, the ocean doesn't just, you're not going to just fall off the planet. Right. And so he proved that the earth was, you know, a big globe, right. Uh, by going into what he called, you know, in India, but it was really just, uh, you know, uh, the Caribbean and then Mexico and stuff. So anyways, I think that the point is, is that somebody like Elon Musk fits into that narrative, right. Where people are just, you know, just, they're attacking and criticizing somebody who's actually doing things, okay? So I just wanted to start the broadcast here by, by explaining that. Um, but, you know, let's move on to what's, what I've been talking about. So let me cover some things actually that I've been mentioning in my uh, Instagram. If you're not following there, me there, I can post it in the link in the description of the podcast. Uh, obviously, if you're listening through Instagram or if you're on Facebook, same, same difference. You can follow me. I've been posting all my stories uh, last week. 
I was posting about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and people were seemed to be very interested in that. They're very curious about it. I think I sent like an app to get crypto that I'd use out to like at least 12 people, you know, and um, I think at the end of the day, yeah, who knows, who knows if you download it, that's great. I think that's a positive thing. You'll see why in the future, hopefully. Um, but, you know, there's that. So it's Bitcoin. And then uh, yesterday, talking about the vaccines, you know, I was actually, I posted a video of Mike Adams. If you don't know Mike Adams, he's the health ranger and he's a supplement formulator. He's got his website, naturalnews.com. Okay, naturalnews.com. So, you know, with what he's up to, you know, he's got a lot going on there. He talks a lot about supplements, a lot about health, a lot about health and wellness, things like that. Um, you know, nice, got some Dogecoin. I got people chiming in here. Uh, but yes, yeah, that's beautiful, man. Absolutely. You know, because uh, cryptocurrency is the future, which I'll get to, I'll get to, but I wanted to go over uh, Mike Adams because people seem very curious about Mike Adams. They seem curious about uh, the things going on with him. So if you go to naturalnews.com, you know, people say he's pretty out there, but again, he's being proven right over and over again. The guy has all the documents. And so what was he really referring to when he was talking to Alex in that interview that I posted on my story on my Instagram? Well, he was talking about this guy, Dr. Bosch, who is a vaccine scientist. He worked for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, or he worked with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, however you want to look at it. And he would approve vaccines, help distribute vaccines. You know, he's just a part of the vaccine program. So we're talking about a vaccine scientist, right? Somebody who's actually uh, in the arena, right? In the arena of vaccines. So pro-vaccine, pro you know, this guy, Dr. Bosch. Um, but Dr. Bosch came out and basically said, look, um, this vaccine is not what people think it is, okay? And this guy loves vaccines. These are very key things, okay? And way the way he's explained it in the article, if you read about it, he is basically explaining, and I'm not perfect at it because I'm not a scientist, but he's saying how the, the vaccine itself is causing other viral shedding in the body, okay? And this viral shedding is when, okay, the coronavirus or COVID-19 sees it, it's like a broken down, you know, virus, right? And then and then the antibodies are created, but at, when whenever the COVID-19, the actual COVID-19 comes into in the body, you know, then all of a sudden, the COVID-19 is, is designed to uh, take over its host, right? And what it'll notice is that if you have antibodies that are somewhat decent, it will learn to strengthen itself over the antibodies. So instead of allowing the body to naturally destroy COVID-19, okay, through a process of, you know, the immune system, right? The endocrine system. There's so many different ways to this. It said it's actually going to become stronger. So the vaccine is going to make COVID-19 and then not even COVID-19 in particular, but the coronavirus family, okay, stronger viruses. So, what Mike was saying with, with lack of a better term was he was basically saying that people who are taking this vaccine, uh, depending on which one, cause there's like three or four of them, but they are basically walking bioweapons because they are in their body. They're shedding new viral particles that are much stronger. Okay. than the COVID-19 was the coronavirus, the, the, the one that was spread everywhere, you know, wasn't even killing, but 0.3%. And that's like, we're talking, 60, mainly 75 and up, you know what I mean? Which the average age of death 
uh, in America is is 75 if you put men and women together, I think. And then men are like 72 or 71. Women are like 73, 74. Don't quote me on that, but that's the average age of death. So anyway, it's kind of like, hey, we're counting people who are already past their time a little bit. But the point is that, you know, this vaccine, if you go and read the article, if you're interested in the article, by the way, I'll send it to you. A lot of people are interested in the video, which I will send to you as well. But Mike Adams was able to explain in depth what Dr. Bosch was trying to say. Again, a vaccine scientist explaining. He basically said, this vaccine is not what people think and we need to shut this whole thing down or else we are going to create viral and viral spreading of the likes of which that are way more powerful than what we're seeing today with COVID-19. So we are literally creating a new virus strain with people who are taking the vaccine. But the immunity and all this other stuff that comes with it it's not till later and because that's the way it's designed. Now, some people can argue what they want about the vaccine, but it's almost like a perfect master plan because it's not something that's going to affect people as soon as they take it. You know, that wouldn't work, right? Because then everybody would be scared of it. This is something that is, these are viral particles that are laying dormant inside the body, okay, that are able to replicate during the uh, possible infection that you as the vaccinated get when you get a common cold or the con- you run into the common flu, especially coming in the next flu cycle. So the next winter where there's naturally more flu viruses, people are getting sick, immune systems are lower. Why is that? Because of sunlight mainly. Uh, they're not getting enough sun. They're not outside enough. Those are different reasons why people tend to get sick during the winter, okay? Uh, And when that happens, your illness from that virus or a viral infection during that time after you've been vaccinated, it will be a more intense infection. Because remember, the vaccine is not designed, these are experimental by the way, experimental vaccine. So this isn't actually designed to stop the spread of COVID, the transmission of COVID, okay? It's not supposed to even stop that at all. It's supposed to, reduce the symptoms from COVID, but only one strain of COVID. And notice how the flu vaccine doesn't work either. And what's coronavirus? It's a flu. It's in the flu family. So to imagine in a world of pseudoscience, essentially is what it is at this point, pseudoscience, meaning fake, pseudo, okay? In, in this world of pseudoscience that you're taking a vaccine that does not work, so it's it's not going to stop a coronavirus because you just cannot make a coronavirus vaccine. All these scientists know that. You just you just can't. That's why the flu vaccine has different mutations every year, and that's why you need it every time. Well, they're just going to say the flu is the same thing as COVID, which they've already done in, in, the, in the infection numbers and the death rates, right? But the point is, is now you're going to have it to where the COVID is constantly mutating. Why is it mutating? Because of the vaccines. Because of the vaccines and the broken down, you know, nature of it and how the virus itself is going to, you know, start to get stronger naturally, right? But what happens if you go herd immunity? What happens when you go herd immunity? Genuine herd immunity, immunity is when the virus starts to mutate and, and virologists know this, okay? All viruses mutate to get less and less um, strength, meaning that they're they're not going to kill their host. Does that make sense? The the virus it needs to spread. That's what it's dedicated to. It's dedicated to growth. It's dedicated to going in the body and then spreading throughout the body and then spreading to a new host. That's what a virus does. Okay. So 
when it's lethal and it keeps killing the host, what happens? Well, the viruses die with the host, right? So virologists have been studying this kind of thing for decades, okay? And they understand that usually what happens is one infection to the next infection, over time, the viral, the viral uh, intensity, the, the actual, the symptomatic nature that you get from the infection is less and less and less deadly because the virus is mutating to be weaker because it just wants to live. It just wants to exist. It doesn't want to kill the host. It's, that's not what it wants to do. Okay. But when you vaccinate yourself, you are creating these antibodies that are, and this mRNA stuff is another topic where this is like a whole nother thing. Mike Adams wasn't even referring to that stuff. And that whole thing is a whole nother sub subject. I don't even know why people are getting the vaccine. There's really no reason it does not work. Okay. And that's just the cold, hard facts. Even the news mainstream is saying, yeah, no, it doesn't work, but we're doing it. So again, it's all uh, pseudoscience. Okay. And we just, we need to get away from this BS. Okay. We need to move on from it. All right. So as soon as we do that, life will go on. By the way, anybody live, y'all can do any questions, anything else. Uh, yeah, Arthur, absolute Nikolai Tesla, right? Uh, an amazing guy doing a lot of different things in his time period. Of course, that's why he was taken down. Uh, many conspiracies about that. Okay. So let's move on. You know, why does, uh, look, this, this border crisis, right? Um, this was in the news as well. Why does the border matter? Think about it. A lot of people feel disconnected from the border because they don't live nearby. They don't get why people are so up in arms about the border and, and immigration and it's racist and it's this and that. They're, it's like it's like people who live in skyscrapers all their life. They have no idea how electricity works, how burning coal works. They have no idea how a farm works. They they show up to eat a, a, a chicken at the at the at the salad bar. They they have they they're they're so disconnected with the idea that that was an, that was a chicken that existed somewhere on a farm and it was raised and then it was taken to a processing facility. And I mean these people that exist in the world they're they're in the matrix. They're so plugged into the matrix that they they don't even know how stuff works. They don't even know how stuff works. And I'm not saying you need to be an engineer. You know how to put together a, a, a computer. Okay. Um, but th that computer PC world is actually a very fascinating world. Apple is like the, you know, I have a Mac, but I'm just saying like PC people are like, I know how to take apart this whole thing and put it together. Uh, but anyway, so people just don't know how things work. I'm guilty of that. Everybody's guilty of that to some extent. Right. And when you don't know how anything works, you, you just feel as distant. Oh, uh, you're very distanced from it. That's fine. I mean, people can have, um, what's the word, you know, I'm, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just basically this, this, they're absent from that reality. They don't want to exist in that reality. Oh, I don't want to, you know, the farming and the killing of the animals. I don't really want to do that. I just want to, you know, get my little plate of food and, 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 and eat my meal and, and watch TV, you know? So th there's just this disconnect. So I think the same thing is true about the border. Okay. But what surprises me the most is how propaganda uh, can weaponize these very same people that are divorced from that reality. They have no idea how stuff works, but then all of a sudden they're up in arms about it. They're up in arms about it. They're upset. They're they're trying to you know seek answers to a problem that they they don't even know anything about in the first place. Okay, and it, that's where I mean when I'm when I talk about politics with people mainly. I don't know why people are debating politics online. Nobody knows what they're talking about. No one has a clue, right or left. I mean, people uh, just 
most people do not know what they're talking about. They have they have very surface level knowledge. And what surprises me the most is how emotionally charged they can be on a particular subject. It blows my mind. So I need people to stop being so emotionally charged about shit they're not even researching. Stuff that they don't even know about. Like if I were crying over who won the Stanley Cup in hockey, that's a problem because I don't watch hockey. I don't care about hockey. I don't even know who the hell, what team is doing what. Forgive me if you love hockey, but I'm just saying for me, I'm not going to cry over some team winning or losing the Stanley Cup, okay? I just, I don't, I'm not participating in that reality. That's okay for me. I can, I don't have to watch hockey. So it's okay for you. It's okay for the average Joe out there who doesn't want to get into the, the research and the information about politics, about shit that fucking matters. That's, that's the stuff that's real, the stuff that's crazy, the stuff that's raw, the stuff about the real world. That's okay. If you want to be absent from it, you know, go on and watch your TV shows and Netflix series and your favorite prime video, whatever. Okay. That's fine. Just don't get emotionally charged when someone's trying to address an issue because then you become, okay, the critic, the critic who doesn't count. Don't be the critic that doesn't count. Be somebody who's putting their life on the line, putting their thoughts, their emotions, their, their, their thinking on the line, but not the emotion I'm talking about, emotionally charged. I'm talking about emotional care, emotional sincerity, okay, clarity, okay, on a particular situation or issue or topic, okay? So when I get into the border, that's just me. I wanted to preface that by getting, before I even got into the border, right? So I live in Texas. Or I lived there, you know, I live in Colorado now. But, you know, just like COVID, you know, there's like, there's, you're like maybe two, two or three connections away from somebody who's, who had gotten COVID or, or who had, who had died of COVID even, you know, you know, your great aunt and stuff like that, who might've passed away by the flu, basically. Um, you know, that's kind of how it is in Texas. Like when you are a resident of Texas, you're maybe like two, maybe three friends or connections away from somebody who's been negatively affected by the open border that exists on, uh, in that Rio Grande Valley area. Um, and that, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, the truth about the border, it's, it's very, it's very uh, intense topic, but here is the truth. Okay. Mexico doesn't want immigrants coming from Central America up through Mexico because nobody cares about the Mexicans. So, but if you want to really know about the border, you want, you want to listen to the Mexican president, listen to the Mexican president. He's, he's coherent. Unlike our president right now. He actually can speak the truth and speak some some sense into the camera. Um, listen to what he's saying about the border himself. So this isn't a race thing. This is a Mexican problem. See, because in Mexico, the border, and in, in the United States, the border is not run by the United States, and it is not run by Mexican officials, okay? The border is run by the cartels. They run the border, not the officials in, in America or in the, uh, in Mexico, the cartel run the border. The cartel, the Mexican cartel is a very powerful and ruthless organization that will, a friend of mine, this is just one example. One, I did a church retreat trip to Mexico with a friend from, uh, it was an acquaintance. 
And she, her father was DEA. Okay, that's the drug drug enforcement agency. They do this, you know, drug smuggling and across the border. Lots of that with DEA. DEA works big time and on the border. Um, and that guy was he was in a sting operation or something, and he was captured by the Mexican cartels. And you know what the Mexican cartels do to people like that? You know what they did to this man in particular? They tortured him to death, and they chopped off his two thumbs. And they sent his two thumbs in the mail in a box to his family. Okay. Why the thumbs? Well, so they can ID that it's, you know, their father, right? And they sent it as a warning. Okay. That's what the cartels do. The Mexican cartels are, they're not like MS-13 where they'll, they'll slice every little, they'll cut you into little pieces until you bleed out. They're not that bad. They use knives, you know, MS-13 big time. Uh, the Mexican cartel have just—they're just ruthless and they've taken control. Okay, and uh, they control a lot of Mexico. I would say the majority of Mexico, just the politicians and the whole—the way the government runs there, everything is—it's the Mexican cartel. So here's the truth about the border. What happened when weed became legalized in in America in different states? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, the Mexican cartels couldn't make a, a, a lot of money selling pot over the border anymore because it was legalized, you know, that we they were running operations from Colorado, California, Oregon into these other parts of the United States where uh, now new drug lords and new gangs and and new criminal enterprises were making all the dough because they took that market of weed and marijuana and they were able to sell it in other parts of the country other that that were still having uh illegal marijuana sales, right? Um so what is the number one, all of a sudden after marijuana was legalized, what became the number one export out of Mexico using, uh, well, the, that the drug cartels used? What became the number one export, the most profitable export out of Mexico into the United States? No, it wasn't heroin, even though that is a lot, that, that's a big one, heroin. Uh, you know, what, what can it possibly be? Well, the answer is human beings. Human smuggling is the most profitable enterprise that happens across that border. So the truth about the border is they are taking people, uh, Central Americans in particular, but the Mexican cartel working with them, the Central Americans coming up through Mexico, this isn't every case, but it's a lot of cases. The Central Americans are hearing from America this policy of bring a child and you'll get in, okay? So some Central Americans are literally sending their children. They're sending their children and they're staying back in Guatemala or Honduras or wherever, Belize, you know, wherever, right? And what happens when children and then people who bring children or people who don't have children come up through Mexico? Well, if you're a Guatemalan and you're, you know, two, three, five, ten guys and you don't have any women or children with you, what do you go do on the way up through Mexico? Oh, you got to go pick up a few women and children somewhere along the way, right? The 5,000 mile journey, okay? So what that's called kidnapping. So now the Mexican kids, mainly middle class kids, children, women especially, are kidnapped from their front yard, backyard. They're kidnapped from school by these by these different migrants who are coming from Central America, okay? So for those of you who don't understand geography, Central America is a whole nother continent 
that's underneath Me- that's south of Mexico, okay? Uh, and so you have these Central Americans who are now kidnapping Mexicans, Mexican children especially. So now Mexican families no longer have access to their child who is now being smuggled across the border and they are and then if they're a, if they're a woman, you can fact check this one. If you are a woman or a woman is being smuggled across the border, you are 80% chance, 80% of women. So 80% of women are raped during the process of crossing the border, okay? You know, there were story there's so many stories of just women who are, you know, sodomized essentially, raped to death and their bodies just lied there right across the border. They got them across and just raped them to death, okay? So the truth about the border is the border is a carnage, disgusting, horrific, criminal cartel enterprise. That's what the border is all about. And it is government policy in America that invites this kind of criminal behavior, okay? You are asking criminals to come here. People who come here legally, like my mom, okay, that's legal immigration, they do it right. And they do it from different countries. Remember how Mexico isn't the only country in the world? Again, those people who just, they're very absent from reality. They're like, oh, I don't know how things work. They don't know how things work, okay? There's other countries that have humans that are useful, that are amazing people that would like to immigrate to America. You forget about them? So when you when you invite a lot of this, this all a lot of illegal immigration, it hurts immigrants from all over the world. The possibilities, the the doors that could open for them to come to America. And so the truth about the border is we are now at this point because of policy, because of policy through different administrations, Trump now now Biden, okay? Trump stopped it, Biden starts it. It's very simple. You are having people crossing over and they're being released within eight hours of capture. They are turning themselves into Border Patrol. And now there's a criminal network that is organized that are sending people on planes and buses all over the country. And you know what happens to these people? People, understand this. Now I'm addressing you people. Understand what happens. There are these migrants that are coming across. They don't know what's going on. They're just thinking they're coming across. These people are, they are in many cases, the Mexican cartel, okay? They own and run businesses here, like front businesses here in, in the United States. And what they do is when they smuggle you across the border, they make you pay, okay, thousands of dollars, right? Well, you don't have the thousands of dollars. So what do you have to do? You have to work slave labor, Okay, for the Mexican cartel, whether it's a construction company or other forms of businesses that are hiring illegal immigrants, well, those aren't, they're not hiring illegal, they're literally putting slaves to work in their businesses to pay off the debt they owe for getting, for the cartels getting them into America. And they're wearing these wristbands and these colors that are indicating what, what, what organization and what, like what they're supposed to be doing. They've got paperwork and all the cartels are running a business on the border. Okay. And you know what happens? Like I said, to women, 80% of them are raped. Okay. You just uh, being raped is a part of your passage across that border. That's not America's fault. This is, well, it's the American government's fault. 
okay? Because they're inviting this, okay? When you stop immigration from coming in illegally and you de-incentivize people from coming in illegally, you, you, you are now closing off the loopholes in that criminal system and the crimes committed against humanity, because that's what it is, the sm human smuggling, okay, pedophilia. Yeah, dude, that stuff is real. And the children that are coming up that are, that are being used to get in, they are disappeared, okay? There is child sex trafficking, not like the QAnon stuff is talking about, but now bigger than ever, guys, because Americans, America, okay, is the number one consumer of child sex. Did you hear what I just said? So now you've got Central Americans kidnapping Mexican little kids, bringing them over across the border, and they look like families. They're not. The women were raped on the way. And then you've got kids going into slave labor or child sex slavery. The women are prostituted like whores, and the Mexican cartel are running like pimps this entire thing. So you want to know the truth about the border? That's the truth about the border. A lot of people who are, they live in New York or, or East Coast somewhere or, they, or North Oregon and stuff. You know, you can bitch and talk about the border and, and, and think like what you're talking about is migrants. These people are being taken advantage of. I mean, this is disgusting. And a lot of these people don't even know what they're getting into. And they realize they're a part of some large criminal cartel later on in life. And they get destroyed. Their lives are ruined. They come to America. They are under. They are under the cartel's control. They end up. These kids, in many cases, if they're not child sex, literally child sex slavery, they end up joining the Mexican cartel, joining the gangs, living a life of crime because they have no parents, no family, and the people that kidnapped them and brought them up here don't give a shit about them anymore because they got they moved on and they've lived their lives somewhere else in America. And that is what's happening right now at the border. I can go on and on but you know what pisses me off more than anything is you know conservatives and stuff the republicans and all that they, they talk a big game but they're not going to tell you what the hell i just told you this is stuff i can prove to you okay but the republicans and conservative media even that like even they talk about it and stuff and is there a crisis at the border i don't know it's it's they just miss everything they miss the real crimes against humanity that are actually happening they don't address anything they don't try to solve anything they just point it out and they point at biden like it's his fault no dude it's literally a collapse of our borders okay and then here's the much larger picture about the border why why is this happening let me tell you The United Nations, as we've been explaining to you guys now on this podcast for a while, the United Nations is the world government, okay? They did the, if you want to look at an example of what's happening in America, just go look at Europe. Go look at what they did to bring Africans and third, other third world countries pouring into Europe. What are they doing? Well, it is warfare. It's a form of warfare. You're bringing in a, a, a poor class. Some cases are middle class people, by the way, that are paying the cartels to get them in, in America. So it's not like these are all poor people, okay? But you're bringing in a broken down third world because of the, all the lockdowns of COVID, which I've been telling you about this, guys, for a year now, that the lockdowns are going to cause mass starvation in the third world. Yeah. Is it convenient for you to just not go to your server job or your bartender job for a few months and get a paycheck from Joe Biden or whatever or the welfare or, or unemployment? Cool. 
That's no big deal to people like us in America. You know what happens in the third world when they end up, their tourism is shut down, their economy shut down, their businesses are shut down. You know what happens in the third world? They just shrivel up and starve to death, okay? They don't get freaking money from the government, okay? They don't get any help. They don't get any of that. So again, once again, coming back to that, referring back to the people who are so absent from reality, they're, they're so distant from this. It, it's, it's like as, it's, they're as, it's as relevant to them as hockey is to me. I have no clue what's happening in hockey. I don't fucking watch it. I don't even know what channel to find hockey on. That's how irrelevant it is to me. That's how most Americans exist in this world when it comes to the real problems of the world. They're, they're just wear the mask, get the vaccine. Like It's just they're so on this small, stupid propaganda stuff and they're so drawn into it, they have no clue the context, the 30,000-foot view of how what they're deciding and what they believe is totally designed for them to be ignorant, stupid, and dumbed down masses. That is the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. And then to see them emotionally charged at literally like a defibrillator, the, the, the propaganda just gets them charged anytime they want. Oh, oh we're, we're, we're talking about blacks now. Black lives matter. Boom. We're, we're, all, we're electrocuting that now. Propaganda switches. Oh, we're going on to, you know, vaccines and all this stuff. And make sure to get your uncle, your, your uncle who sounds crazy about vaccines. You better get him on the vaccine. You know, and then it's, oh, Asian Americans are being discriminated against. Let's go on that. And people are just, you know, hashtagging and sharing. They think they're a part of this woke system. But in reality, they are playing into this matrix divide and conquer strategy. And just like the United Nations destroyed the borders in, in Europe, and this is why Britain pulled out of the of the European Union during Brexit and all this stuff is because they couldn't control their immigration. They were pouring people in, the third world population in, as a form of warfare to destroy the economic status of Europe. That is what's happening here in America. We do not yet even know the result of what is happening now. Just like the masks, just like the shutting down. Yeah, just because the government, you know, is if is inflating the economy, okay, pumping in money, giving, you know, loans out or, 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 or what do you want to call it? Grants to businesses, you know, getting you on welfare, sending you $1,400. You know, this, this system is inflating itself. The, the, the Dow Jones industrial average hit the record high yesterday. I mean, this is wall street making all their money and there's no real movement in the economy. This is a false fake paper tiger. And so when you have something like that, and then you have your border collapsing, this is the lockdowns, and you have the border collapsing, and then you, you and then somebody has to exist in a reality where the border being open and collapsing is totally fine, but having a vaccine and getting vaccine passports is the most important thing ever, and we need to shut down COVID. How can you live in that reality where COVID's the worst thing ever, but we have an open border with people who are untested, who are bringing in tuberculosis, man? They're bringing in all kinds of shit, not just COVID. These are people who are they were. There's a real quarantine out in uh, out in uh, was that's not Staten Island. Ellis Island. They used to quarantine all the Irish out there in the 1800s before they were even allowed into America because they were infected with all kinds of stuff. And so they would quarantine out there on this island before even immigrating to America because we didn't even we didn't want an outbreak happening. We don't even do that anymore. We just bring everybody whoppering into our country. So again, you live in a reality where you you think you think we have to defund the police, but you also want to take the Second Amendment away from citizens. How can you live in that reality? How can you, that's what shows me most effectively how people are so, how people are victims of propaganda. How in one week, 
They can be about gun control. And then the very next week, they think cops are the worst thing ever. Look at this Chauvin case and, and the cops and how we need to take take defund the cops now and take out the police. Nobody has, again, no relevance, relevancy whatsoever about what cops have to deal with every day. Not at all. Totally disconnected from it. They don't even, they have no cop friends. They have nobody who's a brother, uncle, anyone in the, in the police force. They have no idea. They're that distant away from it, right? If you're like seven connections away from a cop and you have no idea what police life is like, you, you uh, defunding the police sounds great. You know, well, whatever, who cares? So, okay. You got people with Derek Chauvin posting on their social media saying how Derek Chauvin should, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he, he, he did the wrong thing. Hey, look, I mean, the guy, you know, he sat on the guy. The guy died of fentanyl overdose. The autopsy already showed it. God bless him. Sorry, but China killed the guy. Okay, George Floyd. Jo- China killed George Floyd because it's their fentanyl that shipped in here. And that guy died of a fentanyl overdose. O- overdose. Does it help the idiot cop was kneeling on him? No, of course not. It was stupid. It looked in, like it, it, it is an idiot move. Okay. But the point is, you have people wanting to defund the police, and then last Monday, a shooting happened down the street from my house at a Boulder, uh, in Boulder, in, in the in the uh, grocery store, and people want to take away the guns. So again, how do you live, and how do you not see how you are living a lie, how you don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, okay? Which, by the way, you know what stops a killer with who's who's out to kill people. Okay, you want to go you want to go back? Let's talk psychological programming. Let's talk about, you know, the red flags. Let's talk about was he bullied in high school? Like that stuff is that stuff matters and we need to be nicer to people and we need to be more joyful. We need to bring happiness. We definitely don't need more lockdowns. We definitely don't need a, a third world population crashing into our economy. That won't help mass shooters, okay? That's only going to make people go more crazy. So this is the thing is now you have to realize that's all over. This guy is in the grocery store and he's shooting, killing people. The only thing that's going to stop that idiot from shooting more people is another good guy with a gun. If you disagree, then you realize you called the police, right? What are the police going to do? Show up with a gun and hopefully take the guy down, which is exactly what stopped him. The only thing that stopped that guy from killing anyone else was a gun, so what to what say you what has to be a police officer with a gun? Absolutely not. Could have been a concealed carry lawful uh, holder. And you know what? That guy, that shooter on a brief note, he came from Arvada, which is in Denver. The guy drove almost an hour to Boulder, Colorado, a very liberal left-leaning city that probably hates guns. Okay. They just banned rifles. They banned assault rifles, ARs for sale in Boulder. In Boulder County, you cannot buy a uh, an AR. Okay. Think about that. So in Boulder County, you can't buy an, buy an AR. The guy comes from Denver, drives almost an hour to get to that grocery store in Boulder, knowingly targeting a gun-free zone, a gun-free population in Boulder, very liberal, and shoots and kills all these people because he knew he was not going to get any shots back. Why wouldn't he just do it at his local grocery store? Why wouldn't he do it at a grocery store in Denver maybe or another grocery store out in the country? Because the guy knows he was targeting a vulnerable population. And until we wake up to that stuff and realize you're looking at a situation, you're looking at that and you say, oh my gosh, you know, we need more gun control, you know? And I look at that same situation. We're looking at the same TV screen and I'm like, dude, I need to buy more guns. I need to make sure I'm armed. I'm protected that in case anything like that ever happened to me, I'm prepared. You know, it's so we just live in different realities. Okay. That's the gun thing. I'll tell you that. That's, I was driving down the street. I was right there. 
I was, uh, we were, me and my brother were coming home from the uh, ski trip. We were with my dad and we just, we saw these cops flying by me and my brother and they were going in the same direction as us. And uh, about five minutes later, we pull up to a police blockade and all these police cars up ahead. We, I mean, we, I knew the, the King Super, the grocery store was right there and we were just kind of poking our heads like, dude, what's going on over there? And they rerouted us through a neighborhood. And so we had to drive around a neighborhood, gone, you know, gone around it. And then we had to drive home. Right. And I'm looking online, like what's happening at the King super. And that's when I'm hearing, Hey, there's all this shooting going on in King super, blah, 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 stay away from the area. And then we just see SWAT cars, sheriff vehicles. I mean, just all these cars come into that zone. So uh, just for those of you who don't live in this city or don't live in this uh, this this country maybe, uh, no, the shooting happened. It's legit. There's a memorial there. There's real people who died. There's a business owner. She's from Pearl Street. Uh, she's dead, okay? She's dead. That's one of 10 victims. She's a real person, okay? She did die. So don't, don't mind. I mean, I love conspiracy theories here, but... Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a real shooting guys. So again, does it fit a convenient narrative of gun grabbing? Absolutely. Certainly. Of course, you know, but you're never going to stop a mass shooter unless you do it with a guy with a gun. The only other way to stop it is by loving on everybody and taking care of people. But sometimes people's ideologies, by the way, he's from Syria. He loves ISIS. He, he hated Donald Trump. I mean, I'm just, I'm just letting you know, like this was before they deleted his social media, there's screen grabs of his legit verified social media. And we know what he's about. We know what he's about, but I'm not going to get into that. Maybe another time, um, covering quite the, uh, quite the stuff here. So the, uh, the, the border is, is incredible, uh, but I'll move on. So let's talk briefly about the, uh, the, well, the world economy is interesting. I was, I, I might, I made that note there. Because, you know, the Suez Canal was blocked up and I mean, it just, it just goes to show the vulnerability in, in, in the world. I mean, the trade of about maybe 300 large cargo ships was not able to go from the Mediterranean to the Persian Gulf and wasn't able to go from the Persian Gulf into the Mediterranean. I mean, this is insane. So the world economy is collapsing. People haven't even recognized what's actually happening yet. We haven't even gotten to that point yet of, of really uh, realizing the stuff, the poison that we're taking in, the poison that's that's happening now in terms of policy. It's it's absolutely stunning what's happening. And so people just need to wake up. And this is a part of a part of waking up. So I'm gonna brief on this and give you a, an idea about this uh, Bitcoin, okay, cryptocurrency. So a lot of people have been dabbling in Bitcoin and, and buying some of it. And I understand that people are getting into it. And and some people are getting into it because they just they just want to make money. They just saw it's a way to make money. They're you know, real simple-minded folk out there. I respect that and that's great. Um, and then there's people who have no clue what's going on with Bitcoin. And then there's people who actually understand the philosophy behind Bitcoin. Those are the kinds of people that I've been resonating with lately uh, and just connecting with because I, I understand it as well. And so to give you an idea of Bitcoin, for those of you who don't know, it's a form of cryptocurrency that is created by a technology called blockchain. And blockchain essentially is a uh, unbreakable chain of data that is a streamed timeline of events that is incorruptible 
and that continues to process no matter what. So more blocks are created constantly. It's a very simple version of explaining it. You can look up blockchain and it's explained the geeky version of it, uh, but for now that's, that'll do. And so because of the blockchain, I'm not going to explain the details of it, but it's an encrypted and protected and fixed currency, meaning that it's a set amount of currency. You can't corrupt it. You can't create a, a fake Bitcoin. There's no, you can't do that. You can't steal somebody's Bitcoin because of the, the way the blockchain encrypts the particular Bitcoin and you, you can't steal it. So governments can't tax it, right? They can't regulate it. I mean, they can make a law like India has already and ban Bitcoin somehow, but there's really no way to, to enforce that law, okay? They're trying to ban the Bitcoin, but they, they don't know how to really take Bitcoin away from people, right? And so what Bitcoin essentially is, it's a form of gold that gold could never be and everybody wants to go back to the gold standard, at least the most, you know, people who are awake, you know, we're buying gold, precious metals. I mean, I have gold, I have silver, you know? So I believe in that as well. Diversify, you know, diversify your money, diversify your portfolio, you know, expand. Okay. Uh, but you know, when it comes to Bitcoin, Bitcoin is what gold will never be. Why? Because of the technological components of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a currency that is, is mined just like gold, by the way. Uh, but it's a currency that is a reserve currency. It's something that your money as a currency, whether you're living in Nigeria or Iran, as we'll talk about Europe, America, you want to put a little bit of your dollars of your currency into Bitcoin because holding on to Bitcoin ultimately will become more valuable than the currency that you have in your bank account. Now, the dollar, the US dollar is considered the world reserve currency and it is considered the strongest currency in the world. Well, what's the issue with that? The issue with that is a uh, is a uh, that the US dollar isn't backed by shit. It's not backed by gold anymore as of Nixon, 1971. So we we're off the gold reserve currency or the gold reserve uh, system. And we have now moved to a place where the US dollar is not backed by anything, but yet it's the most powerful currency in the world. Red flag, people. You can't have a very the most powerful currency in the world backed by nothing. And all these countries that are seeing the writing on the wall are looking for resources that are going to be valuable when the US currency crashes, okay? Which is now inevitable based on the fact that, uh, well, I mean, the way we're printing it, the way our, our money is losing 15% a year in buying power. So if you had $100 saved in January of 2020, in January of 2021, Based on this economic output, what's happening now, your buying power of that $100 is decreasing in value by 15%. What? Why are you having $100 in a savings account? Why don't you have that? Number one, you can put that in a portfolio and a stock maybe like a growing company or something like that. But at the end of the day, get it out of the US currency and buy Bitcoin instead or buy gold or silver. But other countries are realizing that the world reserve currency being the U.S. currency right now, it's not going to hold up. And you know what? The Chinese bubble isn't going to fix it either. So as much as the Chinese won and the, and the Chinese communists are trying to take over, they're not going to be able to do it either. So here's the good news. Bitcoin 
will become the world's reserve currency because it is a perfect separation from the state. This is the first time in world history that money printing and money in general and currency is separated completely from the state apparatus, the government. What do I mean by that? The government in no way, shape, or form can influence Bitcoin. There's just no way. So for the first time in world history, government is truly divorced and is you know, scrambling to get control of Bitcoin, which is the funniest thing to watch, but they are truly divorced from this, okay? And why, why is that important? Because government has regulated currency ever since the times where currency was built in, in the kingdom of Lydia, okay, basically. So remember Caesar had his coin as well, you know, the head of Caesar and all that stuff. So again, currency, money, all that's very important, which I write about in my book, which you guys can get access to. I'm going to get that printed and, and get that sent out very soon. Um, but the currency model usually being manipulated by governments is the most dangerous, especially when you have a government running rampant on spending because the dollar isn't even backed by anything. You don't even need to show any real gold to have that value, that resource as a way to dictate how much money you actually have. No, no need at all. Just print money and you're already the world reserve currency. So it doesn't matter. You know, we can just print as much money as we want in America. And so this is a very dangerous time period. And when the dollar does crash, inevitably, the Bitcoin will obviously be worth, um, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in U.S. currency, um, which will be worthless, uh, but it'll still be worth something in U.S. currency. Um, but Bitcoin will become the world reserve currency. Why is that? Well, Bitcoin is, like I said earlier, it's what gold could never be. It's a stable, calculated, fixed, divorced currency from government. So other governments, when dealing with Bitcoin, can trust and verify that the exchange is equal and perfect. Right now, the exchange rate in the world is, be, is used with the U.S. currency. So if, if, um, if Iraq wanted to trade with Yemen, they would first trade it into U.S. currency and use the U.S. currency as a form of, of value to dictate the prices of all the goods and all this stuff. And then they would complete the transaction and make the trade. Okay. Well, when the U.S. currency falls apart because of all the printing and what we're seeing now with Iran, who's being sanctioned by America, well, what's Iran doing? Iran's like, dude, we don't even need the U.S. currency. We have Bitcoin. So now Iran is like mining Bitcoin and buying up all this Bitcoin using the petrodollar and using their oil and their resources and other ways of buying Bitcoin so that they can own the most valuable currency in the world, which is Bitcoin. So we could possibly, we could wake up in a world where the U.S. currency doesn't have any value or nearly the value that it once had. And I, and a place like Iran, who actually has all this Bitcoin, becomes the most powerful country in the world. Think about that. You know, the U.S. government will be so desperate to try and accumulate Bitcoin, they'll even take it in your taxes and they'll give you a discount if you pay Bitcoin 
for your taxes. That will happen in the next five years. You will be able to pay your taxes in Bitcoin and the government will be so desperate for this Bitcoin. They will do you a tax deduction. They'll give you, they'll, they'll do anything. So don't be like the American government and don't be like these other governments that aren't figuring out the printing, the fiat system, the collapse of it. You need to know this now. Buy Bitcoin. I want you to wake up and be the person who has $1,000 worth of Bitcoin uh, and then not the person who has a million dollars of worthless US currency in their bank account. Do you get what I'm saying now? Bitcoin is going to be the world reserve currency and you can do even more research to verify what I'm trying to tell you, okay? You can do as much research as you want. You're going to see the same thing. If you want to follow somebody, his name is Max Kaiser. You can reach out to me and find out the, the stuff I watch. Max, has been, he's been predicting Bitcoin and he's been right all along. Um, but yeah, I can go on and on and I'd love for you guys to know more about it. If you're interested in the apps that I use for Bitcoin and y'all want to get free Bitcoin from the apps, downloading it for, through the links that I'm sending out, the little referral links, hit me up because uh, I'll send it to you and, and I'll put it on the podcast description link actually so you guys can get access to that as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've been going on for an hour. We've covered a lot of topics. A lot is on my heart and mind uh, and we're going to be doing you know more podcasts in the future. If you ever want to be on the podcast, you feel like you have something to share, something of value, and you've got a business of your own, things like that, I'm open to having you on uh, as well. So I'll be doing some more interviews, as you'll see, coming up. So excited about that. And uh, yeah, guys, please support the podcast. Please leave a rating, a review, and also feel free to become a Longevity customer. And a lot of people... I've uh, been looking at uh, becoming longevity reps. So I'll be leaving the link in the description below as well. Sign up, become a preferred customer if you're just interested in being a, a customer. And uh, all the purchase of products that you make in longevity through my link, that's how I fund this whole thing. You know, that's how I make commissions and you can do the same thing. So I can teach you how to do that if you're interested in a business. That's always good. But here's what's important. You need to take care of your body, your health. You need to live optimally, okay? You need to live optimally. You need to live in a happy place. And the only way to do that is getting high quality, good gold standard nutrition, taking care of the body through diet and other forms of supplementation. So thank you for tuning in. You guys have a great rest of your day. Peace.